listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast with Mark LaCour and Paige Wilson. This is the show for busy oil pros who quickly want to keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. You're listening to the Oil & Gas This Week podcast brought to you by IBM. This is the show for busy oil pros who want to quickly keep their finger on the pulse of the industry. Thanks for joining us for episode 216. How's it going, Mark? It's going awesome, Paige, but you know what? I'm kind of sad. Why? We didn't get any reviews. Well, it's better than getting bad ones, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. I, that's a hard choice to make because even our worst reviews aren't really that bad. Yeah, that's true. But anyway, people, if you want to support the show, leave some reviews and we'll give you a big shout out. Well, I'm feeling kind of lonely here, but it's time for the news story. What's up first? Liberty Oilfield Services puts Schlumberger Tech in its yards, Halliburton in its crosshairs. Yes, yeah, so this is a really good story. If you haven't heard yet, basically Schlumberger has decided to get out of the actual fracking business and they look for a partner, which happened to be Liberty Oilfield. And you know why Liberty Oilfield is such a cool partner? Well, I did interview their CEO, Chris Wright. Yep. And they also hosted our Denver happy hours exactly. in, in Denver when life was normal. And so just a great company. We know them, love them to death. I was a little surprised when this happened. And it, I think it's pretty cool. So basically, Liberty bought Summerjay's fracking business unit in exchange for 37 state, 37% stake in the company, which I think is a very good deal for, for everybody. And then it's really interesting, you know, Halliburton is the top fracking company in, in North America right now. And for Chris to come out and says, hey, Halliburton, I got my crosshairs on you. I like that. Even, <laughs> even in this, you know, still down economy, down oil field, you know, he's looking at growing his business and he's looking at the biggest competitor out there, the biggest owner of that fracking space and going, I'm coming after you. And, and I love that. And a big red, you know, you got to have to hustle to stay, just keep your number one spot. But it's just a great article. And what this is doing, bottom line is, it's letting these guys keep their jobs, right? right. They're going to have a different logo on their paycheck and on their, their FRs, but they're going to be able to keep their jobs. So, you know, hats off to them. Like I said, like you said, you know, Chris, he's a good guy. He runs a tight operation. This is a very strategic move at a time where he basically picked this up for much less than he would have just even a year ago. So let's keep an eye on this and see where this goes. And he's just a laid back guy. He's really neat. He's a good guy. His heart's in the right place. Absolutely. hundred percent. All right. So the next one is OPEC to hold digital workshop. I got a question, Paige. Yeah. The first paragraph, the OPEC what? OPEC Secretariat. What is that? That's a good question. Okay. That's why we have Google. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so here's OPEC saying, you know what? We know that technology is important. We know that our future is a tech future. And we just want to understand what other people are doing. OPEC tends to have everything kind of close to the vest. They're not known as being the most cooperative cartel out there. And I say cartel lightly, but seriously. <laughs> and so they're saying, hey, let's get all the brains in one place. Let's get all the people that have problems in one place. And let's talk about this new digital future in the oil and gas industry. Now, to you and me, that's been going on for the last five years. Right. Because the way the politics are in the Middle East, they do look at new tech. They do look at processes, but they do it almost clandestinely. And this, I think, is pretty cool. They're public about this. And they're just basically looking for new processes, new technologies to improve efficiencies and drive down costs while at the same time keeping their people safe. So the coolest part about this story is that it's OPEC, not Saudi Aramco, not the Kuwait oil company, but it's OPEC itself, the cartel, saying, let's get everybody together. To me, this is the beginning of cooperation right? and cooperation outside of OPEC, which if OPEC is going to stick around, which I don't think it, it will, but if it's going to stick around, it's going to have to change the way it does business with the rest of the world. This could be the beginning of that. Oh, and secretariat means a permanent administrative office or department, especially a government one. And it's also an American racehorse. 
<laughs> oh, actually, now that I think about that, they won Kentucky Derby, what, like in the 70s? The yeah, 80s? there's a movie There's a movie about it. No, uh, I think 1973. 73. Yeah, folks, I'm that old. All right, let's go, <laughs> let's go to another one, please. Okay, so the next one is Chelsea's natural gas is a destination fuel. What does that even mean? Uh, I mean, I read the article. I understand it, but. So Shell's saying a couple things. So Shell's saying, number one, they want to be a a net zero or net zero carbon releasing company by 2050 or sooner. I get that, right? Everybody's wanting to work that way. And what they're saying is that natural gas is a fuel to bridge us between where we are now and where we get into the highlight fairy energy world of all renewables, right? Mm -hmm. That world will never exist in the way that people want it to. And I'm, please, people, I'm very pro-renewable. I love renewable energy. You just have to understand that the cost of storage of renewable, that problem has not been fixed yet. And the renewable industry itself here and also starting in Europe and pretty soon it will happen globally is starting to face some of the same challenges that we as an industry have faced for the last 30 years. Landowners don't want windmills. People don't want solar. People don't want to have varied amounts of electricity. Look what's going on in California right now. Right. right? So what Shell's basically saying, you got to remember, this is at College Energy, which is a very much a pro-renewable publication, is basically saying, hey, look, we know we have to get to this future that everybody thinks we need to get to. But before we get there, we're going to use natural gas. And of course, you've heard me say this a million times. By moving from coal to natural gas for electrical generation, it reduces emissions by 60%, much cleaner for the environment. I really believe natural gas is the fuel of the future. Hydrogen is an interesting part of that in a bunch of different ways. you know. And then toward the end, the guy's name is Wetzler with Shell. He basically defended oil and gas industry, which I thought was really cool. And he basically said the industry can and should be a driving force toward a net zero economy. If the world is to limit the global average temperature raise to blah, 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 it needs a way to offset these hard-to-avoid emissions. Everybody knows my view on climate change, but the fact that we're trying as an industry to lower our carbon footprint is not a bad thing as long as we understand the science behind it. Shell is probably running second fiddle to Equinor as far as their involvement in the renewable side of the house. I'm going to take the Liberty approach that called out Halliburton, and I'm going to say Shell. OGGN is launching a renewable podcast. We're coming after you, right? So if, if you want to promote renewable energy, you're going to have competitors, which is going to be us, which is really just good for everybody. I'm, I'm just kind of having fun with this. But it's, you know, once again, Shell's calling it a destination fuel. You'll hear other people call it a bridge fuel. I think the world's going to move toward natural gas and stay with natural gas. And the liquids will be used more and more moving forward in the future to make stuff out of. But good article. What's next? Interior to push drilling in Florida waters after November election. How much bleep is that going to start? (laughs) (laughs) So what a lot of people don't know is that the Gulf of Mexico has very abundant, mostly easy to recover reserves. And that's the entire Gulf of Mexico, including the eastern Gulf of Mexico, which is on the Florida coast. And so what this article is about is that the Department of Interior is going to open up more lands for federal drilling permits, including, hopefully, if this article is right, the eastern part of Gulf of Mexico, which is on the Florida border. Now, for people living in Florida, let me explain a couple of things to you. I know you're scared that's going to hurt your tourism industry. I often hear quotes of the BP Macondo disaster. So when the BP Macondo disaster happened, and we never, ever want something like that to happen again, so don't misquote me on this. The tourist industry in Louisiana made more money than you made the year before. Why? Because BP paid them, right? Right. So number one, you don't need to worry about that. If something would happen, you would not lose revenue. Number two, the jobs that would be created. And you think you're making money off tourism. Wait till you have drilling contractors coming in and out. You know, those companies have big dollars, have big checkbooks, and have to rent rooms for hundreds of their guys at a time, have to fly them offshore. 
Opening up the Gulf of Mexico would just add more to our energy independence. Now, here's the thing that nobody talks about, and they don't even talk about it in this article. Nobody's going to go drill right now with a well. And it's, oil is too cheap. There's no reason to, to do that type of exploration now, but some point in the future they may. And so if our political administration opens up drilling and they're, they're talking about doing it right after the election or literally right before, which makes political sense to me from a strategy point of view, you know, then there's going to be a time where the public gets to, to comment on it. And then the state itself has some input. So the state can still push back and say you can't drill in state waters. Right. But you could drill in federal waters, which may only be a three-foot difference between where the state border is and where the federal border is. I really hope for the people of Florida that they support this and understand the advantages and the prosperity that it brings to their state. You know, Florida, all the other states in the Gulf Coast make money off oil. You don't. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. We'd like to have you join the party. But do we? <laughs> I don't, don't get into <laughs> the, Half the news that comes out of Florida. I knew I you mean. were going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of controversy, the trillion dollar reason why Joe Biden won't ban fracking. And you know what the bottom line is? Why he's saying he won't ban fracking? What's up? A little state called Pennsylvania. Mm, right? Yeah. Familiar. So Pennsylvania, if the Democratic Party wants to win the president election, they have to swing Pennsylvania. The problem is, of course, Pennsylvania is a big oil and gas state. They like their jobs. They like their tax dollars. They like their prosperity. They like their roads, like their schools. And so trying to get them to swing over is going to be impossible if they even think you might ban hydraulic fracking. Now, regardless if you say you go ban hydraulic fracking or not, the most of the liberal side of our political agenda in Washington want to stop oil and gas exploration and production. Most of them will admit it. Some of them won't, but most of them believe that. And there's other ways to stop it. You know, they got that thing going on in California right now where they want to ban any oil and gas activities within 2,500 feet of any man-made any dwelling that somebody lives in. That's that, going to shut everything down. That will kill down. every well in California, right? And you see the same thing happens with people that want to oppose water usage or the ability to build access roads or pipelines and all that sort of stuff. So just because President candidate Biden is saying he's not going to ban fracking, don't think that his party is pro-oil and gas. The prosperity that the fracking industry has brought to the U.S. in the last 10 years, eight years, has been incredible. The cost of electricity has gotten so cheap here that we're bringing manufacturing jobs back from overseas. It's actually cheaper to manufacture stuff here than it is in China because the cost of electricity is so much cheaper here and so much more reliable. The state tax dollars that the stakes make off of hydraulic fracking, the fact that it's such a less impact to the environment, you hear all this bad stuff. But before hydraulic fracking was invented, you would go out to a frack field, a shell field, and there'd be hundreds of wells drilled because they're all horizontal shafts. It's literally hundreds of wells. I got pictures of it. Now they drill one well that used to be a bunch of vertical shafts, right? So you had hundreds of wells in a shell play because all these vertical shafts. Now you come back with hydraulic fracking, you can drill horizontally. So you'll have one well pad with a bunch of horizontal runs. Yeah, like a six-pack, four-pack. We used to do that all the time. And so instead of, think of a beautiful meadow covered with hundreds of oil well derricks. That's how it was done in the 50s and 60s and 70s. Now think of one one-acre installation that's fenced in and they're producing oil from it. It's totally, totally different impact to the environment. So fracking is a great thing. It's a great invention. Whoever took the, and by the way, a lot of people don't know this. I had this conversation just the other day. Fracking itself was invented by Shell in the 50s to stimulate water well productions in California because they're going through a drought. Hmm. So the process of pumping sand and water under pressure into the ground to produce something was originally done to help the farmers in California. Then later, people took that technology and combined it with a new technology, horizontal drilling, and that's where we get hydraulic fracking. And from. now it's bad. Now it's bad, right, yeah. But you know, then finally for this, let me just say to anybody that's in politics right now, when you 
enact laws that in some way add cost to our industry, to the oil and gas industry, the people you hurt are the people that have the least income, right? People that are well off can afford a $50 or $100 jump in their electricity bill. Low income people can't. Then you start increasing the price of food because it costs more to move eggs around or milk or bread or whatever. So, you know, this election for the oil and gas industry is critical this year. You got a side that hates us. that don't understand what we're doing. You have the other side that doesn't hate us, but they still need to be educated. They're still not quite sure what we do, but at least they don't, they're not trying to kill us. So, you know, the trillion dollar reason why Joe Biden won't ban fracking, quite honestly, comes down to him being elected and getting this Pennsylvania swing over, which I don't think is going to happen. I don't see it either, but you never know. It's 2020. Crazy year. I know. So next article is Neptune Energy begins installing world's longest heated production pipeline. So why do you think Paige would want to heat a pipeline? Because it's cold. Uh-huh. And so what else? Something to do with API gravities. <laughs> I don't know. No, no. Actually, you're on track, right? So if the oil is cold, it's heavy. You can't move it through the pipeline. Right. And it gets a little chilly in the North Sea. Right. Like negative numbers, <laughs> right? And so this is really cool. This is 36 kilometers, which I think is about 23 miles. Somebody do the math for me. This is the longest heated pipeline that's ever been built. Now, here's a really cool thing. It's a heated pipeline in a pipeline. Now, there's a reason for this. You know, there's a lot of people out there that think that we don't care about the environment. Right. We do. Right. So they're spending extra money so that the heat from the pipeline will not trickle into the ocean and artificially raise the temperature within a foot or two of the pipeline because the wildlife there is accustomed to that temperature. So they want to have zero, zero impact to the environment. Let me ask you this. Do you think that when they build the wind farms out there and they have those electrical cables, they run for the wind farm to shore to bring electricity back? Do you think they put a cable in a cable to keep that heat from being dissipated into the ocean? No. Because they don't care. Not right. that they don't care about the environment, but we have such a eagle eye on every little thing we do. So they're actually building this. Once again, pipeline and pipeline, part of that is actually for pipeline integrity, but the biggest part is to minimize their impact to the environment. And this is Neptu working with, guess who they worked with to lay this? Who? One of our sponsors. Uh, Which one of our sponsors? Very good. Which Technique. one of our sponsors has the best subsea domain expertise Technique on the planet? FMC. Technique FMC. So Technique FMC was the project director on this. Their vessel actually carried out the installation, the vessel Deep Energy. What a cool name. Hey, I wonder if we can get Technique FMC to get us a ride on the, a Deep Energy vessel in the North Sea. How cool would that be? Well, you're going by yourself because I get seasick. <laughs> That's right. I forget you get seasick. Ugh. But anyway, here's a way for them to be bring oil back safely and environmentally responsible so that they can put it in the system so that people can then buy it and use it for stuff. And they're doing it in a way that's never been done before. And I love the, the partnership between Neptune and Technique FMC. So go guys. This is really cool. All right. So ExxonMobil Baton Rouge, lard oil donate fuel to support hurricane recovery. So I've actually been in that refinery quite a few times. It, it is a city within a city. So what ExxonMobil is doing is donating fuel for relief efforts, both gasoline and diesel, but they have to have a way to get it there. Lard Oil stepped in and said, hey, we got the logistics. We'll handle it. We'll donate the logistics. We'll donate the truckers and all that stuff if you donate the, the fuels. And so they're working together to help clean up what happened after Hurricane Laura. And this is just like Exxon. They're a big company, yes. They have PR and marketing people, yes, but they care. They care about the communities that they operate in. And here's ExxonMobil Baton Rouge knowing that it has people in its area that have been affected like this, and they want to give back and they want to help. So big shout out to ExxonMobil and Lord Oil for doing this, for, for donating the fuel to help the people in their time of need. I also want to mention something else. So one of our partners, which is Realware, which makes the only intrinsically wearable out there, and LibreStream, which is a software company that supports remote learning, partnered with us. And so for people in the affected area, if it would be beneficial to you to be able to have remote eyes and ears in the field, 
Think of you're a doctor and you can't get into Cameron, Louisiana right now because of the infrastructure, because of the roads and everything, but somebody needs hand surgery. Well, we could fly out one of these wearable units and by using LibraStream, you actually could see, you could actually do telemedicine, see the patient, talk to the patient, talk to the attending nurse or physician or whatever, and help them by bringing your expertise remotely into that affected area. Same way if you're a commercial worker getting electricity back up, if it would be helpful for you to have eyes and ears so people back in headquarters could see what you're doing to help you with stuff, we're giving that stuff away for free. That's awesome. So we'll put a link in the show notes. I shot a short video on LinkedIn, but reach out to Realware. There's a a link in there. I think it's basically sales at Realware. If you're in the affected area and having remote eyes and ears and anything to do would be useful to you, reach out to Realware. Like I said, we'll put a link in the show notes and they will donate the hardware and and LibraStream will donate the software so we get you back up and get people back home and safe in the affected area. And also Exxon jumped on it immediately. They began shipping fuels over August 30th to Lake Charles and Sulphur, Louisiana. Boy, that was not long after the No, start. not at all. Not at all. So, speaking of sponsors, IBM's next big bet is the oil and gas industry. Surprise, surprise, Mark. Yeah, so even though IBM sponsors this show, this news article is not in here because IBM sponsored. It just, it just randomly came in here. Actually, it's funny because the next one's kind of talk about them too. But basically, Schlumberger and IBM have partnered up. They've created a digital platform where oil and gas companies can access real-time data and, and software to give you a competitive advantage in this crazy world. The platform that Schlumberger's suite of apps is called Delphi. And I actually had one of their heads at Delphi on the Only Gas Tech podcast just like a week or two ago. It was a fa- fascinating conversation. And so digital is, is become important to the oil and gas industry, but it has to serve its purpose. We, we don't just need technology for technology's sake. By this partnership, IBM is getting all the domain expertise of one of the largest service companies in the world, Schlumberger. At the time when Schlumberger is changing its direction, Schlumberger's uh, CEO has taken a very big stance on technology and basically saying Schlumberger will be a technology company in the future, which is something I've been saying for I don't know how long. And this is IBM coming in and bringing their technology expertise, so things like hybrid cloud, AI, that sort of stuff, to Schlumberger. And then they're using Red Hat, which IBM acquired for about $35 billion last year, goodbye IBM, by the way, to make this integration work. So you're going to see a lot more of these partnerships between big tech companies and oil and gas companies. You're, you're seeing it, and it's been going on for a while, and you can see more and more of it. This is a great fit. I know IBM extremely well. I know Schlumberger very well. It's nice to see these two titans come together, shake hands and then be ready to go out in the work in the field and help oil and gas companies survive through this year and prosper in the future. Yeah. And then the next article is, you know, Slumber J and major deal with IBM and Red Hat. Yeah. So the cool thing about this is, once again, it's the second article. Once again, just because IBM sponsors this show doesn't mean these articles showed up because of that. But the cool thing about this is that the cognitive environment, so think of artificial intelligence, can be deployed over a hybrid cloud. And when I say hybrid cloud, Think of a mix of public clouds, so think of AWS, think of Azure, uh, think of Google, and then your own internal cloud, right? So you can mix that. You don't have to go one way or the other. And by mixing that, you get the best of both worlds, plus you're kind of vendor agnostic. So if one major vendor and you don't get along, it's a relatively easy thing to move your everything, your cloud, everything over to the other vendor, right? And so this is, once again, Slumberjay working with Red Hat to get Delphi environment out to everybody. And it's really cool. Because by working together, Red Hat is learning more and more about the oil and gas industry, which is going to allow them to think of solutions that they would not have thought of before. And with Slumberjay's help, they can now get those solutions out to the market. And of course, because Red Hat's owned by IBM, IBM's going to benefit from this too. They're focusing really heavy on 
the upstream part, especially the geoscience, so reservoir characterization, optimizing drilling, optimizing production, all that sort of stuff, which has been going on for a few years now. But when you pull these tech giants together with the domain expertise of Slumberjay, you can see the needle move a lot, which is what we need right now to be able to drive even more efficiencies. I haven't looked today, but we're still hovering around $40, $42 a barrel. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, until that gets to 55 or 60, driving efficiencies is the name of the game everywhere. So this is, once again, you know, I've said this for years, everybody thought I was crazy, but, you know, the technology, the big tech companies are the ones that are coming and help us drive the efficiencies that we need. And I'm really glad it's happening. And, you know, isn't it cool that our sponsors doing it? Yep, exactly, exactly. All right, and that's the articles for this week. What's the thing with that damn giveaway, Paige? It's a shirt. It's a shirt? It's a really pretty shirt. It's a beautiful shirt, actually. And then we still have some swag we're giving out. I just pinged my contact at IBM. They apologize when this Laura thing came through. They kind of shut all that stuff down. We're just waiting for them to ship some more of it to us. We start giving out. So it's just right around the corner. But if you haven't registered, go register to win. There's a link in the show notes. It's really easy. If you don't win this week, go back and register again next week. And then we're going to do some really cool stuff with that. Speaking of really cool stuff, I'm almost scared to ask you, what's the rig count? Uh, it's not too shabby, actually. So in the United States, we have a count of 256. And we're two up from last time. Canada, we're at 52. We're only down two. And internationally, we're at 747 and up four. Oh, that's good news. Yeah. And speaking of good news, what's the deal with the street team? Oh, we're moving to LinkedIn from Facebook. Did we grow up or something? I think so. <laughs> and who's leading that effort? Uh, Warren Sp- yeah. Spiewak. Yeah, so you've heard me say this before. Street Team was my idea that I plagiarized from somebody else. I showed them no love because we got busy, which was just wrong. I apologize, Street Team. We're moving the Street Team from Facebook to LinkedIn. We have a bunch of stuff planned. We, I've assigned that to Warren. Warren's happily jumped in to take over the Street Team. We got a bunch of cool stuff, much more engagement. We're going to have some Street Team ambassadors. We're going to have some ribbons that we're going to give out. We're forming subgroups. So if you're out there and you want to play a role with OGG and want to play a role in our growth, we ask for an hour's worth of work a week. If you can't do it, it's totally okay. It's all volunteer, but you're part of our, like kind of our extended family. So you're not the mom and dad and kids, but you're like the cousins, right? Yeah. We love you and we like to see you Well, now we're from Louisiana, so cousins. That, <laughs> or that, everything. Yeah. And when life gets back to normal, you get to come to all of our events for free. And then if we go to a conference or expo in your area of the woods, you can join our press team for free, which is actually really fun if you've never done that before. So go to LinkedIn, go join the street team. The I can't wait for all that stuff to start back up. I'm just totally missing friends and networking, which you, I don't think you'd ever heard me say in my life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So to hear you say you miss conferences is bad. I yeah. miss them too. I just miss being around other people that have similar interests. As right. Do. I mean, I just go to Target. And then Street Team. What the heck? What? Yeah. So we got the Lincoln Company page group and Street Team. So we have the links for everything. Yep. I put them in there earlier. So what's the difference between the LinkedIn company group page and group, group and company page? The company page is where we have 250 employees. And then the group is the one where we have everybody. The 40,000. No, that's like the 3,000 or 4,000 people. The group. Right. And then the new street team. And then while you can, go to the website, allingassthisweek.com. Give us your email address. That's going to go away very quickly. The final touches to the new OGGN webpage are taking place now. We're going to have that up by the end of the month. Once that goes up, all of the individual web pages for the podcast are going to disappear from your view anyway, listeners. And then everything that we do is we center on OGGN.com. 
And then our monthly events newsletter went out. I got actually an amazing number of people saying we missed you. <laughs> I know. I think they're like us. They just miss people. So if you want to get a monthly email from me with all the oil and gas events that are going on, it's free. We put it in your box once a month. We never spam you. There's a link in the show to go sign up for that. And then if you want myself or any of the team, any of our experts to come to your event and speak, to do a live podcast, let us know. We do a lot of that sort of stuff. I've been doing a lot of virtual speaking. I have four gigs, I think, just in October. Oh, good um, for you. Yeah. So let us know. We're happy to do that. And then First Friday Q&A, you know the deal. If you have a question, reach out, oilandgasthisweek.com. Click on Ask a Question. If we use your question on the air, you'll get a big shout out. And with all that said, Paige, let's get out of here. All right. Remember, folks, do great work, pay it forward, and we will see you next time. And here's Savannah with Events on Deck. This is Savannah, and here are the Events on Deck for September 2020. There's the FPSO World Congress 2020, and that's on September 1st to the 4th, and also the 8th, and it's all online. The next one is Building the Future Industrial Summit on September the 16th, and that's also online. There's also the 4th Annual Blockchain and Oil and Gas Conference 2020, and that's on September the 16th to the 18th. Then there's the Engenius Symposium and Exhibition for Upstream Innovation 2020, and that's September the 22nd to the 24th. And there's also Effective Leadership Through Change and Uncertainty featuring Condoleezza Rice, and that's on September the 24th. There's also NAEP Summer 2020 from August 11th to September the 14th, And lastly, there's BP Week 2020, September 14th to 16th. That's all for September. I hope you guys have a great month and thanks for tuning in. Tune in next week for another informative and entertaining episode of Oil & Gas This Week podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.